Hello, it's TechBiter Worldwide for the week of February 10th, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. This week, an experiment may turn out to be the most astonishingly stupid thing I've ever contemplated. Then again, it might be a template for an occasional program for the future. It seems that a lot of people enjoy seeing spam deconstructed, while at the same time I ridicule the spammer. I didn't want anything without spam in it. Well, spam eggs, sausage and spam has not got much spam in it. I don't want any spam. So here we go, an entire program, except for a bit of nerdly news at the end, all about our favorite subject. You've probably heard me talk about a spam catcher I use, and most of the time I just glance at the messages that have gone into the spam bin, confirm that they actually are spam, and delete them. But every now and then something catches my eye. For example, one morning I opened the spam bin and I noticed important health information, 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 well, on and on and on and on. That was where the messages were from. The subject for the messages were, have you or family been effect by cancer? So the person who wrote it isn't particularly literate. They have effect where they wanted affect. And it should have been past tense anyway. But then spammers are probably the ones who sat in the back of the room during English class. Well, oddly enough, in the body of the message, they got affected right. But the presence of more than a dozen similar messages in my suspected spam folder told me that this wasn't a message I would generally want to open. But in this case, I figured there was probably some story behind it. So I opened several of the messages, and the messages were all roughly the same. They said, if you or your family have been affected by cancer, uh, period, an incomplete sentence, but what the heck, you should take a look at the site below. And of course, at the bottom of the message, you could be entitled to millions of dollars. Yes, you've hit the cancer lottery. (sighs) Pretty disgusting. I opened a dozen or more of the messages. They all had different URLs, but each URL ended in the directory, join us. I did a little investigation. The domains all appear to be bogus. At first, I thought maybe they'd been hijacked by somebody, but it appears that they have been registered through the same registrar, so chances are they were all ordered by the same gang, and the gang in question has a way not to pay for them. You know how that happens. Well, I spot-checked several, and each of them led me to the same bit of bogus HTML code that forwarded me to another domain, nsftracks.com. The owner of nsftracks doesn't want anybody to find out who he is or where he is. All of the who is inquiries I tried returned only the registrar's information. From there, I was forwarded to yet another domain, I did some tricks just in case there was any really bogus HTML. Then I was able to look at what I was being forwarded to on my machine. seems to be essentially a harmless form processor. It's actually a business generation form from a law firm seeking to file suit on behalf of people who have been injured by a drug that has some serious and possibly life-threatening side effects. Usually the vast majority of funds extracted from the business in question, the one being sued here, go to the law firm. The litigants receive just a few table scraps. But regardless of what you think about law firms such as this one, it seems to me that they are actually a victim in this case. They're probably a victim of a pay-per-click fraud scheme. And a certain number of people who go to those sites will click through and register. So the fraudsters make money on the clicks. Depending on who you talk to, between 10% and 50% of all click-through payments are thought to be fraudulent. 
I got really excited one day. I opened my anti-spam mailbox and found 12 $1,000 gift certificates from Apple. Oh, wow. I can get all the stuff I want. I can buy the biggest Mac with a lot of memory. And Wait a minute. This is in my spam box. Well, the gift certificates are probably real. But, of course, they're not from Apple. And they're not worth the paper they're not printed on. A couple of possibilities here. Might be an identity theft attempt. You visit a website, you'll be asked for sufficient information to prove who you are. And when you do, you'll also give an identity thief everything needed to become you. Most likely, though, it's a come-on from one of those Nevada or Florida gift operations. In this case, you get a gift certificate all right, but only after you've spent enough money jumping through enough hoops that the operation places ever higher and higher. By the time you earn that free certificate, you'll probably have spent 2500 to $5,000. If you want $1,000 worth of Apple equipment, just go buy it. Case of deja vu one morning this week, I opened my email... And there it was, a message that said, on the subject line, I love you. Wow. Nearly ten years ago on a Monday morning, I received a message that looked a lot like that. It claimed to be from a WTVN radio address. I knew whoever wrote it didn't really love me, but I thought it might have something to do with the previous day's Technology Corner broadcast. So I clicked the link. Boy, was that dumb. I saw an immediate spike in network access, so I reached down, yanked the network cable out of the wall, called the IT professionals. I was one of the early victims of the I Love You virus. It killed some of the files on my computer, but my quick action at least kept the attack from spreading beyond my machine through the network. But it was still dumb. I still should have known better. Well, now there's a new batch of viruses using I Love You, Why I Love You, and similar subject lines. History is repeating itself. This time I was smart enough not to click any of the links. First hint here, the link is an IP address. Now, honest people will give you a named domain. They're not going to give you an IP address. They're not going to hide that way. So there's no way I would consider following this link unless I had a program that would let me see what's on the web server without actually executing any code. Oh, wait, I do have such an application. So what's there? Well, a couple of suspicious-looking sections of code with escaped characters. This is another strong indication that the website isn't telling me the truth. You're not going to hide behind obfuscated text if you're honest. The characters were just simply hex-coded, easy enough to decode them. There are websites that will do that for you. So I took the code, pasted it into one of those websites, and the website told me that the actual link was to an executable file with underscore love.exe. Well, needless to say, running that application will not make your computer happy. And I went just a little further with one of them. I traced the location of the server that housed the code. It was in Singapore. The Nigerian scams, the ones that tell you that they've got millions of dollars and they'll give you some of it if you'll just help them get it out of the country, are so laughable that it's hard to believe anybody falls for these, but obviously people do. Here's one. My name is James Kalecki. I work as an office assistant to regional manager of EcoBank. There was an account opened in this bank in 1999, and since 2001, nobody has operated this account again. After going through some old files in the records, I discovered that if I do not remit this money out urgently, it would be forfeited for nothing. It goes on to tell me that the owner of the account died in 2000, and nobody else knows anything about the account. So, of course, there is no beneficiary. And this $15 million could be 
part mine. All I have to do is help him get it out of the country. These things have been around for decades, before the Internet. I have seen them by mail. I have seen them by fax. Of course, email makes it easy to get them in the hands of a lot of people. Oh, we've seen enough of those. But now there's a new twist on the old 419 spam. It isn't pulling as well as it once did, obviously. So the latest spin on the old game is to send a message that says, Oh my, criminals are ruining Nigeria's image. And we're here to help you. We're from the United Nations or some other organization. In this case, it claimed to be a message from the United Nations. The message carried an address in Switzerland. Now, I would remind you that the United Nations in Europe is headquartered in Belgium, not Switzerland. But the email came from a Yahoo account in the Netherlands. Many people might suspect that the United Nations does not use Yahoo for its official mail. Well, here's part of the message. It assumes that you have received one of the bogus messages in the past and that you have responded to it. So here's someone from the government to help you. These past years we have been addressed with the issues of corruption in African countries and the menacing social challenges faced by their governments due to the nefarious attention given to the foreign investors whose monies are yet unpaid since the late 90s. There are about a half dozen misspelled words in that paragraph. We are concerned at the seriousness of problems posed by corruption, which may endanger the stability and security of societies, undermine the value of democracy and morality, and jeopardize social, economic, and political development. The UN are also concerned about the links between corruption and other forms of crime, in particular organized crime and economic crime, including money laundering. And since corruption is a phenomenon that currently crosses national borders and affects all societies and economies, international cooperation to prevent and control it has become essential. Of course, we have remained unchanged, but our operations, which involves surveillance, financial assistance, and technical assistance, have developed to meet the changing needs of all member countries in an evolving world economy. That goes on and on with blather like that for page after page after page. But the bottom line is, they have money, they're going to get it to you, and all you have to do is contact them. Of course, then there will be various fees and delays, and you get back into the standard 419 scheme. If your spam is anything like mine, you probably receive a bunch of casino invitations every week. Well, this one was kind of interesting. It was an animated GIF that offered 500. Uh, it offered $500. It offered 500 euros. And it offered 500 pounds. Now, there is a significant difference in value between 500 pounds and $500 particularly, but also between 500 euros and $500. Well, I was offered 500 of whatever currency I wanted. I would have taken pounds if I was going to do this, and I could play in the casino for half an hour and keep anything I win. I suspect that at the end of half an hour, there wouldn't be any winnings. In fact, at the end of two minutes, there probably wouldn't be any winnings. And even if I took the $500 and tried to cash out right then, what are the chances that they would let me? And what are the chances, even if they let me, that I'd get any of the money? I got another one a couple of days later. It wasn't quite as pretty. There was no dancing $500, but they offered me $2,400. All I have to do is download their casino. Ah, it's an executable program. I'm going to download their casino from China and install it on my machine and start playing. Now, who would be dumb enough to do that? Along the same line is a get-out-of-debt spam. It takes you to, gee, a website in China. 
Now, if you think these people are going to help you get out of debt, you're even more clueless than the person who would visit the casino with the free money. And a variant of that, if you're not up for the casino and you don't need a personal loan, how about a business loan? It's also from China, and the loan comes from a casino. I wouldn't bet on it. The Canadian pharmacy, of course, isn't really in Canada, and it's not really a pharmacy. It doesn't sell generic drugs because most of the drugs that it claims to sell are not available in generic versions. But I get spams regularly, lots of times a week, from the Canadian pharmacy. Now, here's one. This takes a new approach. It suggests that Canadian drugs cost less than U.S. drugs because taxes are much less in Canada. That, of course, is false. Taxes in general in Canada are more. Here's their claim. The Canadian product is not in any way less qualitative. The country imposes lower taxes on pharmaceutical industry, so the prime cost for making drugs is so much lower than in the USA. It really does pay to buy Canadian products instead of American ones, and it is as effective. Well, where there are differences in price at legitimate drug stores, not fake front operations such as this one, it is because the Canadian government has the foresight to do what the U.S. government has not, negotiate lower prices with manufacturers. Sex always sells, of course. I received a message from Foreign Legals. It wants to let me know that six people have responded to me, even though they don't have my right email address and even though I have never heard of Foreign Legals. And in the past week or so, I've started receiving some interesting spams. At least they're short and to the point. All right, if you're a hooker, it's twice pretty small step packed to becoming a future porn star info. All you have to here do is ask for some extra wish money to be filmed and look you're on your way hard. Check out this Filipina mail. A little trouble understanding exactly what the pitch was there. Another message put it this way. Well, well, if you're a hooker, it's a work pretty small step to becoming a future porn star unique. All you have to do fresh is to ask for some extra offer money to be filmed and one you're on your way. Love. Check out this Filipina big. No sale. Late in the week, my spam catcher harvested dozens of message dealing with health care. Yes, I know health care is too expensive. Some creepy spammer really going to be able to help? Messages contained a variety of links to websites. I didn't bother to confirm whether the sites were legitimate operations that had been hijacked or whether they had simply been set up by criminals using the domains that they're never going to pay for. But I did try to see what the crooked sites would try to serve me if I clicked on one of the links. Using my favorite tool for examining questionable websites, Sam Spade, I found that the first two sites I tried to examine had already been shut down. Well... That was enough for me, quick and easy. I just selected all the messages in my anti-spam folder and deleted them. What's the deal with the Russian spams? Shtoeta! Every day I receive at least a few spams in Russian. Now, I can read a little Russian slowly and poorly. A couple that came in recently. Well, the subject line on one was in English. And it was spam, 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 spam. The organization wants to sell me lists of email addresses in Russia so that I can send them spam. And then there was an announcement about a tax planning seminar that includes such topics as analyzing data and filling out Russian forms, how to prepare the balance sheet, and how to defer income taxes, and also how to manage capital. Yeah, sign me up for that. I really want to travel to Russia just to attend a tax seminar, which is probably bogus anyway. 
So what's all the fuss about this stuff? It's not really just the annoyance factor. Spam is a real detriment to the Internet. Internet service providers and large companies have to provide storage space and processing power to deal with all this sludge. Spammers send their messages for free, and it's everybody else who pays to receive it. Spam, depending on who's talking about it, accounts for 60% to 90% of all email traffic. And worse than that, many spams bring with them little presents in the form of viruses, worms, and Trojan horses. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see images of many of the spams I've talked about today, but particularly check out at the bottom an image from my antivirus quarantine bin. These are from messages that got through the corporation's other defenses, and those defenses actually stop about 99% of all spam. These malware-laden messages reached my machine, but the malware was identified and quarantined before it could do any harm. Turning to nerdly news, the BAT version 4 is out. There's no time this week for even a first look, because I just got this on Friday. But a first glance, anyway. A first glance at the BAT, version 4, looks like it's going to be a winner. The new version resolves some of the problems that have kept me from recommending the BAT to certain people. And it seems not to break the power user features that have made this program my favorite email client. So expect a first glance summary probably next week and a full review several weeks from now. If you are already a user of the BAT and you own version 3, you can use version 4 without any additional charge. 4.0 anyway. This is a remarkably clever marketing ploy. Assuming RIT Labs convinces current users to try that free upgrade, they will generate a lot of sales when they release version 4.1, which will not be a free upgrade. As a marketing ploy, this is extremely clever. The cost of upgrading isn't a lot, though, even if you pay for the 4.1 upgrade. So if you can't wait for the full review or even that first look, you can download the BAT version 4 from RIT Labs. There's a link to the website on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Billions and billions served. Now, you might think I'm talking about McDonald's, but no, I'm not. It's Internet video. Research by Comscore says that Internet users in the U.S. watched more than 10 billion videos during December 2007. That is the most viewed in any month since Comscore started tracking. Who's on top? Well, who else? Google. They account for 30% of all videos viewed. The jump in December, possibly powered by the TV writer strike, because there was some new content available on the web. Google served about 3.3 billion videos. That's 1.3 share points greater than the previous month, and that's a big jump. Doesn't sound like much, but 1.3 share points is a big jump. The biggest player, Google's YouTube, they served about 97% of what Google served. Fox Interactive Media was in second place, distant second place, 385 million videos, 3.5%. Then Yahoo, 340 million, 3.4%. And Viacom, 238 million at 2.3%. Comscore gave some additional usage statistics to help put online video into perspective. 77.6 million viewers watched 3.2 billion videos on YouTube. That's 41.6 videos per viewer. 40.5 million viewers watched 334 million videos on MySpace. That's 8.2 videos per viewer. Online viewers watched an average of 3.4 hours of online video during the month, representing a 34% gain since the beginning of 2007. The average online video duration, indicating our ever-lessening attention span, 2.8 minutes, 
Can't stick around for a 30-minute show anymore. Got to do it in three minutes. The average online video viewer watched 72 videos during the month. Coming to Best Buy by the end of the month, digital TV converters. Best Buy says it has a large stock of converters that qualify for the U.S. government's rebate program for those boxes. Now, you might possibly think of that as a government-funded corporate welfare program. Uh, the government, however, and the broadcast industry would both prefer that you didn't think of it that way. In January, the Telecommunications and Information Administration began offering a $40 rebate on converters that cost $60. Now, not everybody's going to need such a box. If you have enough money to buy a pricey new TV, you obviously don't need the converter. You also don't need one if you have cable TV or satellite service. When you buy one of the converters, you have to apply for the rebate on a government website. If you want to do that, there is a link to the government website from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Best Buy has already eliminated all analog TVs. They did that last October. The company's electronics division head, Mike Vitell, says the conversion will require a coordinated effort by broadcasters, manufacturers, retailers, and the government. And a lot of money is going to change hands. Oh, no, he didn't say that last part about the money. That was mine. Thanks for listening. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of February 10th, 2008. I'm Bill Blinn. Don't forget, check out the website, www.techbiter.com, and you can send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.